Listen up, it's the Speakeasy with Annie Madden and Carla Trelaw. Conversations in the margins. A comfortable space for uncomfortable topics. Okay, we're doing an extra special, extra easy Speakeasy today, Annie. Yeah, we're in the COVID-19 space. thought it was important to, to get in and um, hear what the current information is or recommendations for people who use drugs, people who inject drugs, people on OTP. Yep. And so to help us do that, we've got with us at some other place, Charles Henderson, Deputy CEO of NEWA, the New South Wales Users and AIDS Association. Welcome, Charles. Thanks, Carla. A trying time for lots of people in our community, mm-hmm. but um, those most vulnerable, those living in marginalised circumstances or concerned about what the rest of the society knows about them, getting access to things that are a little bit under the radar, it's a, it's a big call, isn't it? It is. Uh, I know that in relation to the using of drugs, it's often a, a bit on the down low. It's a little bit on a need-to-know basis. And sometimes uh, because of the way it's uh, dealt with legally, um, you have to do things and uh, interact on uh, ways that might not necessarily be uh, aligned to good COVID-19 uh, preparation. I mean, the key issues are like anyone else um, in relation to social distancing, hanging out in public areas, washing hands, making sure that you're uh, coughing and uh, sneezing into your elbow, uh, using tissues, using wipes, using sanitizer, all of those things are absolutely uh, required for anybody in a COVID uh, environment. For people who use drugs, there are you know certain issues that we need to be uh, even more on the uh, know about, and uh, there'll be issues to do with drug supply perhaps and uh, there are legal ramifications that are changing maybe uh, might to be to do with pad operations or roadside testing all of these things are a big mixed bag but uh, today we'll just talk about I guess uh, COVID-19 and harm reduction and what it means for drug users and people on treatment uh, for dependence on drugs. What are the, the main harm reduction messages that Newer is advising for people who use, and particularly people who inject drugs, um, let's be specific, during this, this time? I think there are a couple of issues around, uh, you know, people who use drugs and then people who inject drugs. I think in the situation of younger drug using and the festival scene, we're all well aware now that, and it's, it's such a dynamic environment, it was 500 uh, people or or less were the maximum uh, gatherings only three days ago. Now it's 100. So festivals have shut down. So all of that environment around that from a harm reduction point of view is uh, on hold for the moment. But that doesn't mean that newer isn't working in the unregulated space for younger people and uh, people who use drugs. But for people who inject drugs, newer's tried to get on the front foot very much around COVID-19 and harm reduction. And we've really emphasised two issues, preventing the spread and planning and good planning and uh, planning ahead. And in terms of the spread in a wide in a wide people who use drugs sense and in an injecting sense, avoid sharing bongs, pipes, banknotes, straws, uh, all those sort of things that are involved with paraphernalia and the use of drugs. And that, of course, includes injecting equipment and all the injecting equipment that you can think of, all of the associated paraphernalia, whether it be water, cotton and uh, filters and and spoons through to the uh, needle and syringe. They have to be kept sacrosanct, kept to yourself. 
the usual bloodborne virus situation applies, but it applies to a uh, to another level when it comes to COVID nineteen. And we know that COVID nineteen is spread through droplets that come out of the lungs, and it's spread through coughing and sneezing. Those droplets come out, so it, it becomes really difficult from an injecting point of view. Often it's done in a shared space and in a very small space. So uh, social distancing and keeping uh, apart enough to maintain some sort of you know COVID nineteen prevention um, process is is really hard. Charles, what about sort of like you know with dealers and stuff like that? Is there any specific advice? I mean, that's often something that has to be done very covertly, doesn't it, and in close quarters? But any specific advice around that sort of stuff? We're doing a number of things around that. We've taken the point of view of not necessarily identify people as dealers or, or uh, users and we all know that the research is really clear around the distinction between using sure. and dealing. What we are doing is we're saying get extra equipment. Don't even think about whether you should uh, have got mates or whether you should be contacting mates. If you've got extra equipment, you've got that contingency in place uh, which can mean that you can be prepared and give a little uh, if you need to give a little and make sure that people maintain their safety, um, both from a bloodborne virus and from a COVID-19 point of view. So there's that. You need to be thinking about things like going back to the situation around the actual using of drugs, try to use a little bit more around preparing your own drugs, think in that sense. We would always, from a harm reduction point of view, say to inject yourself. Be mindful and be a really kind of go for a mindfulness type of approach in terms of what you're doing, how that uh, contact and social distancing is occurring with your mates and with the others that you might be using with. And when you're picking up drugs and uh, whatever it be, make sure that you're um, being really careful about what you're picking up and what you're handling you know are you handling a very communal uh, desk or or space which means that you might have potentially picked up COVID-19 droplets potentially who knows be aware to you know maybe have a few extra swabs we're making sure that uh, along with extra equipment injecting equipment getting plenty of um, uh, alcohol uh, swabs so that you might be able to use them in other situations other than the usual situation of preparing uh, your skin for injection. Um, hand sanitizer, I've mentioned, that's absolutely a gimme. Washing hands, that's really important. Practice good hygiene by washing your hands regularly, um, making sure that you're doing the 20-second washing of hands. That's really important. If you don't have soap, use water alone, even dry rub washing. Um, which is effectively washing with no uh, with no water. That's still a process that you can think about in terms of trying to minimise your uh, connection to COVID nineteen. Don't touch your face. That's really important. The nose and the mouth uh, are the way uh, COVID nineteen is going to get in. Let's make sure that uh, your hands be aware of what your hands are doing. Not only where they've been but that they're clean and that they're not transmitting or, or transferring up to your mouth and nose. And, you know, ultimately just try and maintain your social distance and try and, uh, and try to avoid close contact where, where, wherever you can. And the distance of 1.5 metres, I know everyone knows that, uh, three to six foot in the old days, but 1.5 metres is absolutely uh, really important. 
So I've been really enjoying the suggestions for how you get the 20 seconds hand washing and my favourite so far has been the violent femmes. Give me one, one, one because you left me and two, two. <laughs> I won't go on. You get Carla, that beats happy birthday. I can oh, tell yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. We're showing our form knowing the violent femmes. I thought you were going to say you're showing your age, but, you know, there's that perhaps as well. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, what, what you've been saying, Charles, um, really reminds me is that we have to do a shout-out to all the people who are still working at the front lines, you know, delivering these essential services like needle and syringe programs and, and other things to, you know, ensure that people are able to protect themselves and take that equipment and extra equipment and, you know, stock up for what could be a really trying time so good on your people who are there doing that that work absolutely so, so new is keeping your doors open can you tell us what services are thinking about what do you know about from your own service and what what else is going on around the place i'll start uh at our service and we made a commitment about a couple of we uh, weeks ago that we would uh Oh, actually, probably even longer. We took this to the board and uh, our, our governing um, uh, board and uh, we asked them and we had a whole of organisation discussion around what we would actually do as COVID-19 ratchets up. Uh, and we decided, uh, above all else, that the NSP, which has um, been always a, a major cornerstone of newer is to remain open. That is, for from Newer's point of view, an essential service. Mm -hmm. And we will, and we have trained every staff member in Newer to be able to do COVID-19 NSP work. Now, as things have moved along and and, uh, and the issues around COVID-19 and, and the social mechanisms and changes that we've had to undertake have uh, occurred, we have moved from our usual service at the NSP to what we now call a uh, an essential service in, insofar as we are now operating through the hatch. We used to be able to uh, have clients walk in, uh, have a chat to our peers. It's a peer-led NSP. It's a peer-based NSP. It's a peer-run NSP. Yeah. People could come in, have a chat, get their own equipment, let alone help be helped in getting their own equipment. Now we direct them and, and, and they maintain at the front area or the foyer of uh, the NSP. We serve them through a hatch, which is a basically a two metre by one metre uh, uh, hole in the wall. Um, and we maintain our 1.5 metres that way. And that seems to be working well and people are really understanding the issues that we're all in front of. And, and we've got good posters to uh, help people understand that. And uh, we've got sanitizer there. We've got uh, all the things that they need around safe disposal of their used equipment and uh, to make sure that they get all the equipment they need. We also have a uh, primary health clin clinic called uh, uh, Open Clinic on Crown, OCOC, uh, and that operates usually five days a week. Uh, and we, are generally speaking, operate six days a week, week and we will continue to do 55 hours service. Uh, as I've said, we're an essential service. Getting back to the clinic, as of about two weeks ago, we started asking two questions. One, had you visited any countries or transited, transited through what was a list of around 10 countries? And the second question was, have you been in contact or knowingly, uh, do you know that you've been in contact with a positive COVID person, COVID-19 yeah. person? If you answered yes to those questions, you weren't 
to come through and you and and we we discussed uh things with you uh in the front area i.e no contact as such and now it's uh got up to the point where any country and of course now we've got uh, no visiting uh, or exiting the country at all but yeah. of course if you know you've been in touch with a covid uh positive um you can't come through now and again, it's just changing day by day. We uh, have a clinic that's now two days a week only, not five. Um, we've got uh, most of our nurses that we work with, and we're, uh, we do a partnership with KRC, Kirkton Road Centre. They are now, most of them are also seconded or available for secondment in, um, in, uh, in emergency areas and emergency situations where COVID might be happening. So that's one of the reasons why we have... Uh, limited our um, our health oh, clinic as such our primary health clinic but mm. there's other health clinics that are shut down completely it's getting serious and and, and uh, the limits around access to health is a very worrying time for us all and just to say you know we're, we're recording this on friday the 20th of march which yeah. we put on the on the notes so we, we yeah. need to keep up to date with information and we'll talk more about that in a little while yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to ask before we go on to um, uh, pharmacotherapy, what is uh, availability of equipment for posting out to people? Yeah, again, newer, so we're, and I think we'll talk a little bit around what we're trying to do from a communication point of view, but I really want to stress to the peeps out there that uh, newer is really wanting to take a front foot on information uh, around um, the lives and, and the issues to do with people who use drugs and people who inject drugs. So I, I, I urge people to go to our website. We've got our, we'll maintain our phone lines, which are 02 8354 7300 or 1800 644413. And of course, we'll make sure those links are up afterwards. And Carla and Annie have already indicated that we'll make that happen. So NUA um, wants, wants to try and be a, a really important conduit to information around what the worries that people might have uh, when it comes to uh, getting in touch with services or that they've had services interrupted and they need to find some information and they need to find it fast. The postal service is something NUA really wants to do. We have already had limited postal services in place to uh, people that are particularly in regional areas and needed our help. Um, so we're very much looking to uh, do that on a scaled-up basis. So mm. short answer, yes. We would also be interested, and so are other uh, LHDs around uh, outreach services. There are limited outreach services across the New South Wales, uh, across New South Wales. So, um, but we're most certainly thinking about that in a metro sense and through a mixture of outreach and postal we're hoping we'll get people's needs met mm. uh, but again that's that's going to be a little bit of an unknown but we think we can uh, at least make a really good stab at that guys i guess with people in outside of new south wales yeah. to get in touch with with their drug user organizations to find out what's going on for them and coordinate it through their their local place and there's no silly question at this time is it because no. we really need to be understanding how everybody's needs are affected by these changes in our lives. I agree. And what a great place to start, really. I mean, the drug user organisations across the state and territories in Australia have been around a long time and they know what it's like on the ground in their own locale. 
they'll answer. And if they don't answer straight away, they'll find out for you. That's just the sort of uh, organisations we are. Charles, just before, quickly, just before we go on to um, OTP, as we said, just about services out sort of in other parts of Metro Sydney and, and regional, I know you may not know everything that's going on, but is there, do you, does Newer have a general sense of our services staying open, like uh, government NSPs and that, or have they started to close? What, do you know what's happening there? It's very case by case, and uh, unfortunately I can't even give you a straight answer, but I can say that we are hearing of instances where things are either very limited in terms of the ongoing hours that they're providing or they're shutting down. And there's other ramifications around that because uh, often liver clinics or um, uh, so issues to do with uh, hepatitis C treatment, for instance, are getting effectively interrupted because the clinics are, uh, are either shutting down or workers are being seconded to other areas in the hospitals. There are a number of issues. Uh, I do know that the LHDs are responsible from a locale point of view of taking care of their own and their NSP services. But New is in touch with a, a NSP leadership group across New South Wales. So we're making sure that things like postal service and things like home delivery and things like outreach and even peer distribution, can I say that, are part of the mix and we want them to be part of the mix. And this is, I'm afraid, an environment that these sort of things need to happen. So again, mm. good communication, good connections. I can't give you definitives, but I can give you um, to keep an eye out on the website or phone newer and we'll make sure that information comes to you. We'll make it happen. And as we said, things keep changing. So even if you were able to give us a full list today, it might be changed yeah. by yeah. Monday or Tuesday. So. And I guess, yeah, that's right, Carla. And, and uh, the Ministry of Health website has a list of NSPs and uh, we'll make sure that that links up post-gig. Okay, so, so why don't we move on to pharmacotherapy, yeah. treatments like methadone. What can people expect over the coming weeks and months knowing that lots of people need to turn up every yeah. day or most days to collect? What do you reckon? Really fluid environment and uh, a, a quite a worrying one in a way. Um, Newer certainly wants to put uh, uh, the, pay, uh, the client or the uh, pharmacotherapy or opioid treatment program user uh, at the front and we're asking them to really ask their service provider, their clinic, uh, their doctor, what is the plan and don't mm. take... Um, sort of know for an answer and, and get clear indications of what will happen and that's very important because um, you don't want to worry unnecessarily or cause such an anxiety that uh, your other parts of your life become uh, an issue when it's just a, a medication that needs to be well planned for under COVID conditions. What we're actually saying is so to make sure that there is a plan as we understand it, that's a very fluid situation. We're hoping today to get a really clear definitive, uh, being the 20th of March, uh, from the Ministry on what will happen in terms of takeaways or uh, whether the uh, restrictions around daily dosing and uh, uh, increased takeaways are going to change or not. That is being discussed? Is that what... That is absolutely being discussed, absolutely. We support the idea of people having their own agency when it comes to uh, takeaways, and uh, I think that we'll uh, we have to do a need a needs basis rather than a risk analysis on uh, something like takeaways. But that's of course my opinion. 
if you are going to get takeaways and you haven't had takeaways for the first time or you're going to get more than you more than usual maybe you could put days and dates on your doses if the label doesn't have them helping you keeping keeping yourself organized and making sure that you're taking the right dose at the right time storing them safely of course is very important keeping them out of reach from uh, younger ones keeping them out of sight uh, locked container take care of your doses very well don't lose them there's no comeback uh, often around losing them or getting them stolen or yeah. uh, so on and so forth. It's very much going to be on a, on a needs basis and people are stretched, overstretched. So we all have to take our individual responsibility in that. Um, it's and, basically um, going to be about sort of talking to your, as you said first, talk to your prescriber, talk to your clinic or pharmacist and and see what the lay of the land is and they'll that's where people will start to hear what's going to happen for them is yeah, absolutely and i guess the only thing i did want to also mention is if there is sort of the increased um amount of opioids in one's immediate vicinity just be aware of overdose we're really urging people uh, uh the uh, authorities the lhds and the ministry around naloxone and it's yeah. quite timely that there's take-home naloxone being ratcheted up in New South Wales. That's great. I just urge people to keep on keep uh, in touch with our website, www.newer.org.au and our phone lines and uh, we'll make sure information's up for you. I guess one positive, I, I will say that uh, with the floods and the fires that occurred recently, there was a 100% delivery rate on the... Uh, uh, that we have heard around OTP, uh, both uh, buprenorphine or suboxone and um, and methadone. So I think um, people can get there, and 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 I, I I don't think people should worry, but make sure you ask those questions and uh, make sure you get the get the answers. Again, check our website. One more thing I've mentioned is is also of course would be the opioid uh, treatment line, um, and you could give them a call they might be able to, that is an official uh, treatment line, and I guess I should mention that too. And we'll put that link up as well. So you've sort of touched on this, I guess, anyway, but, you know, we were just going to ask you about whether, um, you know, if people had uh, questions, you know, drug users have questions specifically relating to their situation, you've said contact newer. You guys are going to be open. Yep. Website, email, phones, 1-800-LINE. The lot and if all else fails, if even you know if they can't get in contact with local, contact you guys and you'll figure out who they need to speak to and, and get the information. Exactly, and, and, the, and the same for the other states and territories, right? You know, seek, seek out those um, services you trust and ask them for help. I think that's a good point, isn't it? That uh, and, and I think that. On, uh, you know, trust is an important issue and, uh, and drug user organisations have been around a long time now in Australia and we are a trusted source. Because there is so much information floating around, some of it like complete crap, and it is hard to discern what's real, what we should be paying attention to. And, yeah. and I know, you know, the government's supposed to be the authoritative source, but some people may have great difficulties trusting that the government is actually acting in best interests of themselves or they're the ones, people they care about. Mm. But it is a moment where we have to um, think carefully about what we're seeing and reading and, and do that assessment of what is credible. And I guess the drug use organisations are that front line for translating government 
stuff into actionable things for, for people who live in ways that they might feel quite disenfranchised from government messages. That's a good point, Carla. Uh, with the marginalisation or disenfranchisement that uh, you can uh, lose trust in, in um, government sources. But I think in times of these sort of more needy times or these more dynamic times, I, I agree with you. I think that the government sources around OTP uh, and uh, harm reduction and uh, NSP and uh, services relating to people who use drugs or people that inject drugs, they can be trusted and they will do the right thing. This wasn't on our list to discuss, um, but you know, <laughs> just today I've been really impressed and moved by a number of advocacy movements around the country, really paying attention to those who are vulnerable from uh, because of the kinds of situations we find ourselves in. So, you know, there's a there was an advocacy call out for really doing something about getting people out of prison because of the vulnerabilities of, of COVID spread through that locked environment. There's another one about um, not evicting people from public housing um, in times where people might have reduced incomes or no incomes because of the casual nature or precarious nature of their employments and so on. So, you know, I think it's also good when we are feeling all a bit anxious and not sure what the world's going to be to pay attention to those um, people who are going to experience the impact of COVID-19 in, in inequitable ways yeah. and, and launch our energies into, you know, being part of call for sensible and humane action. You know, the stuff you talked about, Charles, about um, getting people access to pharmacotherapy so they don't have to turn up every day, additional takeaways. I think you, as a community of practice, if we can be um, mobilised in those directions as well, I think that's, you know, that's why we're here. That's what we're here for is to try to put good evidence into situations where we really need to be acting. Look, I think that's a very well said, Carla, and uh, couldn't agree more. I, I think that communities uh, and uh, individuals have know how to look after themselves and, and do have good agency and, have, have, uh, and, and live uh, great lives. We need to make sure that we're supporting uh, everyone to uh, maximise their, uh, their opportunities and their you know, quality of life. And I think, you know, just to sort of add to that, actually, you've made me think, um, Carla, um, that, uh, and Charles, in fact, just what you said just then, that people who inject drugs in particular, you know, there are actually a lot of us are real survivors, you know what I mean? And, yeah, right. And have a lot of um, core skills and knowledge to draw on. And we are resourceful people, actually. When we're supported by you know, government services and other services and, and um, have all the sort of right things around us, you know, we're as capable as any. So, you know, it is important that we do recognise people's, you know, capacities and agency and all of that and make sure that we're giving them all the tools they need to get through this in good shape. Maybe COVID-19 as an environment could be a tipping point for um new ways of thinking for instance um you know the release of uh non-violent uh, drug offenses from prison a valid point the uh, ability for people to manage their own lives in terms of uh, takeaways and uh, substitution uh, treatment or opioid treatment programs valid points and uh, maybe COVID-19 um, might be able to direct us in that way and it could be a 
unintended uh, benefit, not a consequence. Well, I, I think that's a terrific point to wrap it up on with that, with that glass half full. Let's think about coming back if we've got uh, shifts in, in our worlds um, again. Let's come back again if we, if we need to update or recap or just keep the information flow going. But we'll, we'll put a link to the, the newer info sheet, continue to update that as things change. So, you know, thanks very much for sharing the, the deep thinking you guys have done around this. Let's just keep at it. Yeah, and good yeah. luck to everyone at Newer and, and yourself to get through all of this too. Thanks for the opportunity, guys, and, uh, and again, thanks for uh, allowing us a platform to uh, state our case and, and put uh, the uh, health rights and uh, dignity of drug users um, to the front. For more information about this podcast... Our guests and upcoming episodes head to httpcsrh.arts.unsw.edu.au.